feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. What a sight just to see all the happy faces praising God in heavenly places. What a thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. Oh, what joy His love affords when we meet in one accord. Lift our hearts in praise unto the Lord. There's no place I'd rather be than with the ones who've been set free. I'm so glad I'm in God's great big family. I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. What a sight just to see all the happy faces praising God in heavenly places. What a thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. And on that great reunion day, when our Lord says, come away, and the saints from every land sweep through the gate, joining loved ones round the throne, at last we'll all be gathered home. That will be the greatest thrill we've ever known. Oh, I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. What a sight just to see all the happy faces praising God in heavenly places. What a thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. Sing it one more time. I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. What a sight just to see all the happy faces praising God in heavenly places. What a thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord this evening? How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord this evening? Now, I, I, I would say that there's not many people here. They might be a few that's been going as long and hard as I have today. So you've got to help me out. I've been going since 1 a.m. this morning coming out of Delaware. 
But I was excited to be able to walk through the doors of that sanctuary. There's just something about it. I don't care how you feel when you walk through those doors and you feel that presence. And you're with all these people that's going to have to live with you for eternity. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Amen. Let's sing this old song. I was thinking about this song earlier today called He Brought Me Out. A lot of things changed in my life once he brought me up of that miry clay. How many of this old song? Well, if you don't know it, but you leave from here tonight, you're... Oh, he brought me out. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He puts a song in my soul today. A song of praise. Was distressed in Jehovah's dread frown, and low in the pit where my sins dragged me down, I cried to the Lord from the deep miry clay, who tenderly brought me out to golden day. Oh, He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. A song in my soul today, a song of praise, hallelujah. He placed me upon the strong rock by his side. My steps were established, and here I'll abide. No danger of falling while here I remain. But stand by His grace until the crown again. Oh, He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He puts a song in my soul today. A song of praise, hallelujah. So I'll sing of His wonderful mercy to me. I'll praise Him till all men goodness shall see. I'll sing of salvation at home and abroad till many shall hear the truth and trust in God. Oh, He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. Puts a song in my soul today, a song of praise, hallelujah. I'll tell of the pit with gloom and despair. I'll praise the dear Father who answered my prayer. I'll sing my new song, the glad story of love. Then join in the chorus with the saints above. Oh, He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He puts a song in my soul today, a song of praise, hallelujah. Oh, and there's something on the inside. Working on the outside Oh, what a change in my life There's something on the inside 
working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Oh, there's something on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Oh, what a change in my life. It's the Holy Ghost on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. It's Holy Ghost on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Oh, it's the Holy Ghost on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Oh, what a change in my life. And it's the Word on the inside. Working on the outside Oh, what a change in my life It's the Word on the inside Working towards the outside Oh, what a change in my life It's the Word on the inside Working towards the outside Oh, what a change in my life Oh, what a change thankful for that change. Amen. I'm looking forward to getting to the other side, aren't you? How many is happy? Are you happy? Are you really, really happy? Well, if you're not happy here, I just don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, uh, I have no choice but to be happy. I can't, ha- I can't help it. But I know over there, everybody's going to be happy. Everybody will be happy, will be happy over there. We will shout and sing God's praises. Everybody will be happy over there. I like this. There's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond. Where the saved of earth shall soon the glory share. Souls of men shall enter and live on forevermore. Everybody will be happy over there. Oh, everybody will be happy, will be happy over there. We will shout and sing God's praises. Everybody will be happy over there. And we will hear nobody praying And no mourning in that land For no burdens there will be for us to bear All the people will be singing Glory, glory to the Lamb Everybody will be happy over there Oh, everybody will be happy Will be happy And sing God's praises Everybody will be happy over there Well now everybody 
I'd like to bring up that first verse again. <clears throat> and just let this, just let these words to this first verse sink in. There's a happy land of promise. You know, I've heard on the news all week there's mass shootings, a shooting at Michigan State University, uh, three people killed. There's a this environmental disaster going on in Ohio. People's been displaced from their homes. It's just bad news everywhere you turn. But I am so glad that we don't have to worry about that. And that before long, we're going to be in that happy land of promise, Brother Ben. There's not going to be any bad news about uh, people dying. And and I'm looking forward to that. I, I don't know about you, but it wouldn't hurt my feelings. Not one bit. If we went to that happy land of promise before we ever walked through those doors tonight. Amen. Let's sing this first verse one more time and let's just, let's just let these words resonate with us. Oh, there's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond where the saved of earth shall soon the glory share. Where the souls of men shall enter and live on forevermore. Everybody will be happy over there. Oh, everybody will be happy, will be happy over there. We will shout and sing God's praises. Everybody will be happy over there. Everybody will be happy, will be happy over there. We will shout and sing God's praises. Everybody will be happy over there. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's put it back uh, in the key of C, Brother Matt, before we take these prayer requests before the Lord. Let's just sing this old chorus. It is no secret what God can do, what He's done for others. that softly I want to take these requests before the Lord we got quite a few here I want to remember brother Aaron that's uh, he's down in Gastonia this evening I want to remember brother Fulcher
He's had a, a pretty tough uh, last few days. Let's keep him in prayer. We want to continue to remember uh, Sister Karen Buchanan up in the uh, facility there in, uh, uh, up in Eichard. I want you to remember uh, my brother uh, Brian. He was out on the road and uh, he had to come home. He's gotten really bad sick, so they brought him in and he's at home this evening. Just remember him in your prayer. Also continue to remember my mom, Sister Shirley. She's uh, having a a pretty rough uh, go of it today as well. Uh, I'd like for you to uh, remember Mitch. He's uh, not feeling too well this evening also. And we want to remember Sister Carrie Whitlock. She is uh, down in her back and is having a a pretty tough go of it with her back. So just remember her. Also, we want to remember uh, Brother Joe Paschal, who is down at Duke. I know there's uh, many unspoken requests among us. But as this song says, it is no secret what God can do. Amen. Let's just sing that again. I'd like to ask Brother Jason if he'd come up here and take these requests before the Lord. It is no secret what God can do. What He's done for others, He'll do for you. gladness of joy within our hearts knowing Lord that you've come once again to meet with us Lord Jesus and just love that song we sang it is no secret what you can do and Lord we are relying on your word tonight Father and Lord I have my hand on these many requests that were read we just ask Lord that you would come meet each and every one Lord your scriptures are so simple where two or three are gathered in your name there you are in our midst Lord I'm with a bunch of believers tonight we've gathered in your name knowing Lord that you will answer these needs Father for your glory Lord we look forward to the wonderful testimonies just to hear from the different saints of what you've done for them so we just give these needs to you and I know there is hands raised each one having different needs Lord in their own heart I just ask through the preaching of your word tonight Lord that their needs would be met Father God and Lord may we leave knowing that you have met us father lord we pray for the brother that will be speaking tonight we just pray lord that you would speak directly to our hearts with the remainder of the service christ amen thank you brother jason amen let's go ahead and uh, just have our ushers come at this time as phil had to move on into the service let's get that song up i give my mind as the ushers come just a couple of of uh, quick announcements if you got any chairs from the fellowship hall make sure that you have them uh, returned for the uh, couples banquet also we need any volunteers to help in the fellowship hall after the service 
to help uh, set up the tables. Brother Josh, if you would, just... Amen. As Brother Barry comes to bring us the word this evening, let's just sing this song, I Give My Mind. I give my mind completely to you, Lord. Fill me with your thoughts. Make it all brand new. Change my life. Let me live in all that's true. I just want to like you oh let's sing that again now I give my mind completely to you Lord fill me with your thoughts make it all brand new and change my life let me just want to like you. So take me and mold me. Teach me to be God bless you. Welcome to the house of the Lord. And um, good to see all of you tonight. Good to see so many of you tonight. And I appreciate that. Good to have all of you uh, with us. And um, <clears throat> I wanted to just give you a, just a little update here. Um, I hope all of you got the email and looked at the email that uh, gave the update. Uh, there was some ambiguity about where I actually was on the weekend. Uh, but I was working. Somebody actually texted me a text and said, because that's how you, that's what you do with a text, you text it, and uh, said, well, we certainly missed you on the weekend, but even pastors need a rest. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I just finished five services in two days. Uh, we have Houston, we have a problem. And uh, so I'm not sure where that miscommunication got uh, got. Uh, 
uttered. But uh, anyway, we had a wonderful time away, and we were uh, with the saints up there and had uh, just had uh, lots of uh, lots of fellowship with them and uh, in living word, and it was really uh, really. A nice time, good to connect with lots of people that we have known and uh, fellowship with over the years, but hadn't seen them in a number of years. And people in Canada are kind of flexing their wings because it's, uh, you know, they describe it as being in prison and just about was with uh, COVID and so forth. They're all uh, getting out and spreading around. So it was really nice to see so many there. Uh, just wanted to give you a couple of announcements here uh, before we begin, and I'll ask the musicians just to stay if you don't mind, and then we'll sing one more time. Uh, we have uh, a bumper crop coming on the weekend. We are full and overflowing, running over, our cup is running over uh, on the weekend. And uh, there's always some cancellations. We've had a couple already. But uh, if, if you know of somebody who's not going to make it or if you're, something happens and you're not going to make it, we hope that doesn't happen, uh, please let us know because we have people that are wanting to, uh, to jump in. And we have people coming from as far as New York State who are flying in for this event. And uh, we have lots of visitors here uh, over the weekend. Some will be staying overnight and uh, visiting with us on Sunday. Brother Stacy will be here speaking on Sunday morning. And uh, so uh, just put on your friendly face and uh, welcome everybody, and uh, folks love to come, they love to uh, get in and worship with us, and so we're just honored to have these visitors who are uh, coming with us. Um, <clears throat> we have um, Brother Troy and Sister Connie, who are not here tonight, and they're, uh, they're listening tonight by way of streaming, and uh, they are, Brother Troy's been undergoing uh, several tests uh, on his heart, and he has a um, it's like a hardening of his heart and an enlarging of his heart. And uh, the doctors are still wanting him to wear a monitor so that he can uh, give them more specific readouts. And there is a treatment that is new, and, and it's, a little, um, it's a little concerning. The doctor told Brother Troy that, but they're wanting him to come down to Duke University to try uh, to talk about that and discuss that with his doctor and him. And so he was explaining it to me today, and uh, he just said that uh, he, he just really feels like God is aware of the need that he has and feels like he, when he came up last time for prayer, and he just feels very confident that it's in, uh, in the hands of God, and he's just trusting that the Lord will lead him uh, to uh, a path of recovery. And uh, he said, you know, I just smell the, the spring air, the warm air, and he said, I just feel like getting out there and planting tomatoes, and I said... I also hope you get out there and plant tomatoes because I just love Brother Troy's tomatoes. And uh, uh, so I said, we're going we're gonna to pray specifically for you that uh, God will undertake for you and get him back on his feet again. That's, that's hard on Sister Connie as well. They've got family that are around them and helping them, getting them back and forth to the hospital, staying with them. Uh, but Sister Connie obviously wants to stay by his side, and uh, she's not um, she's not really able uh, to do that consistently. So that's hard on her as well. So uh, they love it when you have contact with them and just reach out to them, and uh, they're they're pretty much looked after. But uh, it's just nice. They really appreciate it when people are praying for them. I wanted to make a general statement here, mainly for the people who are streaming. We have. Uh, we've had some issues with our ISP, our internet service provider, 
and uh, we are fully aware of the interruptions that, that are occurring. Matter of fact, we had two tonight, I think, uh, already here before service, and uh, it's completely out of our control. We are trying to do everything we can, but what happens is when, when we have an interruption with the, with the, uh, with the line that goes out, um, in order to keep video streaming, uh, sorry, in order to keep recording, we lose the video when there's a, when there's a blip, when there's an interruption. The, the, the streaming goes down, but the recording remains. And so we can record in-house, and then we can archive the sermon afterwards. But if you're at home and you're trying to stream, uh, very often you can get through halfway and then it, then it drops. Uh, and we apologize for that, but that's not on our end. That's not our system. That's not uh, Brother Jeremy and, and his crew. That is the provider that gives us Internet connection. And there's only one. It's not like we can drop and go to somebody else. That is the way that it is. And so, um, if uh, for the people who are streaming, we 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 hear from people who are uh, listening, and then they get interrupted. So what we do is we try to at least record it all without interruption, and then get the archive up right away. So that's what we, that's what we try to do. Uh, and I know that's frustrating, and I apologize for that. But uh, again, we're limited in how many uh, how many options that we have in a case like this. So. Uh, we, we appreciate everyone's patience in that regard. We have um, today, uh, we learned in the passing of Brother Vaden Young. Uh, Brother Vaden Young is a minister in, in West Virginia, and uh, he is uh, uh, just a real old veteran of the gospel, friend of our family. We've known him for many, many, many years, and uh, just had a rough couple of years in the last uh, portion of his life. And uh, they want me to do the funeral, uh, where they have expressed interest in me doing the funeral. And uh, so we're just trying to work that out, uh, if possible. But uh, if you don't remember, uh, mind remembering Sister Jenny Leonard, Sister Connie Leonard, Brother Ken were here uh, just a week or two ago, visiting from Ohio. And uh, that's Sister Connie's father. And uh, Brother Brother Vaden was here a number of years ago and sang for us several times at Used to come to the men's meeting, loved to do that, and uh, he was a frequent visitor for us up in Ohio when, when I had the church up there. So we certainly uh, want to remember that family tonight. Uh, in the same way, uh, there's several brothers, many, many brothers who are over in South Africa today, uh, and they're attending the funeral of Brother Gideon Retief on Sunday. And today, Brother George Martin passed away in South Africa. Uh, Brother George is well-traveled, uh, fine minister and pastor, loved to hear Brother George speak, and he passed away today. He had battled with cancer, and uh, several months ago, three or four months ago, he took his, he said, he told the people, it was his last trip to Israel, loved to go to Israel and take a group with him, and Brother Mike Walls took a group from Washington and went over, and they had the last trip over in, in uh, Israel, but Brother George went on to his reward uh, this uh, about 24 hours ago, so I'm sure want to remember that family and, and that congregation as well as uh, the Retief congregation. Uh, they're without uh, pastor now as well. Um, also as well, there was a, uh, a family, Jonathan and Sherman Smith, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, and their house burned down today. Uh, and uh, so we're just trying to find some details. I really don't know much else of what's happened there, but... Uh, I told Brother Chris, let me know if there is something we can do or send an offering. 
to them. I don't think it was all destroyed, but uh, smoke and water will take care of what's not burnt. And uh, been there before, and I know how traumatic that is. So, uh, Brother Chris, as you find things out, let us know, and we'll we'll sure try to do what we can to uh, to help uh, in whatever way we can. We need some volunteers on the fellowship hall after service tonight. And some of you guys had mentioned about being waiters on uh, waitresses on Saturday night. Uh, did you tell me you were going to do that? Yeah. So I need three or four uh, guys here because we're so full we're going to need some helpers to get around so if you're willing and able to help for Saturday night it'll be well worth your while you make sure you let me know or let Sister Crystal know back there okay and uh, we'd be glad to have you to help out on uh, on Saturday night we're just looking for a great time uh, with Brother Stacy and uh, trust it'll be a blessing but if you don't mind just pray that the Lord will uh, ha- take control. It's, you know, it's, it's a banquet, but we like to do things that are edifying at the banquet as well and then service on Sunday. We just want the Lord to deal with our hearts. And um, I'll tell you that, uh, you know, in, in uh, people, this is the time of year when a lot of ministers make their plans for the year. And we've got some exciting ministers who are going to be coming and visiting and holding some meetings here. So we'll let you know about those as we, uh, as we come along. So uh, got some good things happening. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to read the word tonight and uh, just take a little time to study. <clears throat> Let's sing that little chorus, uh, Brother Men, have your way, have your way, and we'll just sing this little chorus a time or two, and then we'll have a word of prayer, and we'll turn to the word. Have your way. Father, we thank you for this moment we have, Lord, when we can bow our heads in the middle of this week, in the middle of all of our busyness and our appointments and our affairs, Lord, and just to be able to lay them down for a moment and just say, Lord, just breathe upon us tonight. Speak to us, Lord. May your Holy Spirit come and, Lord, just bathe us in your presence tonight. Father, we think about the many people that are suffering, dealing with sickness, dealing with loss congregations, Lord, that are without a shepherd tonight. Lord, it just stirs in our hearts, Lord. As one pastor told me, Lord, it's, it's, it must be near, nearing the very end, Lord, when you see all of these soldiers crossing over so quickly. And Father, it just stirs our hearts, Lord, because we know, dear God, that there's just such a burden on the people of God. And Lord, to know that our our days, Lord, they're numbered here by you and you know exactly how far this is going to go along we commit our ways into your hands lord we want to make the most of every service and i thank you lord for these people that have made the effort to come out tonight 
Lord, I pray that you would fill their cup. I pray that you would speak to their hearts. I ask, Lord, that you would just draw near, Lord, to each one. And Father, the needs that are represented here, Lord, we, we know very confidently and very assuredly that you hear us and you're a God who answers prayer. Speak to us now, we pray tonight in Jesus Christ's lovely name and for your glory. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Let's take your Bible, if you will. Let's go to Psalm 41. Thank you, musicians, for holding fast there. Psalm 41. Now, this is David speaking about... um, speaking to God and speaking about his enemies and the things that he's going through and pressures that he's under there. And uh, let's begin in verse 9, if you don't mind there. Psalm 41, verse 9. Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me and, and, and raise me up that I may requite them. By this I know that thou favorest me, because thine enemy doth not triumph over me. And as for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity, and settest me before thy face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting into everlasting. Amen and amen. And all the bride said, amen. you may be seated tonight. God bless you. So let's just jump in and uh, and continue this. Uh, this is actually a three-part introduction to the, uh, to the subject of, of the things that adoption teaches us. So we haven't, we haven't gotten into the seven things yet specifically, but uh, I, I wanted to uh, deal with this subject of adoption just in general here. And, uh, and I want to uh, just, if I can tonight, Lord willing, just kind of conclude this uh, so we can move on. All right. <clears throat> Paul writes... And this has been kind of a cornerstone for us here. That people who go through adoption are chosen so. People who go through adoption are predestinated for that. Everyone doesn't go through that. God will allow people to learn. God will allow people to go through things. But there are only so many people who are predestinated uh, to go through adoption. Because God's got a specific purpose for them. And like any father, he makes plans for his children. God also has plans for us. It's not just about being here and surviving. And it's not just about being here and, you know, being a good church member or a good preacher or something else. God's got a role for you to play. God's got a a, a way for you to function as the father would function if he were in your shoes. And so he's training us not only to function in this life, but also for the world to come, right? Would you agree? We're, we're, not, we're not being trained or conditioned to live here forever. Goodness, that's not God's intent. The world, I mean, this, this world is Satan's Eden, right? We live in the midst of chaos and perversion and all the rest of it and death and suffering. It doesn't mean that everybody's a, a lunatic and an axe murderer out there. It just means that we're living in a world that uh, is slipping quickly uh, towards its end. It's, it's slipping towards tribulation. And uh, there are a lot of people who have rejected uh, the light and the truth and the word for the hour. But there's the people who are predestinated to accept that and walk in that. 
And, and God, uh, God chooses us uh, on the basis of uh, the names on the Lamb's Book of Life to go through that for the good pleasure of his will. God's got a will in doing that. He's got a purpose in doing that. And so therefore, uh, in that process, he makes us acceptable uh, for the next journey or the next step, which is in the kingdom where we, where we belong. So in the same way that Moses taught the children of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy how to conduct themselves in the land to come, the Holy Spirit is now training us to conduct ourselves in the land to come. We live by the word. We're learning to live by the word here. We live by the word there. We learn to live by truth here, the principles of truth and, and peace here. We're going to live that way over there. There won't be war over there. There won't be uh, dishonesty over there. There won't be sickness over there. So we're, we're, we're trained to view things differently over here than most people would uh, that, because God is training us for that kingdom over there. Isn't that right? So when somebody gets sick here, to me, when, when I hear that somebody's sick, uh, that's an opportunity for us to pray. That's an opportunity for us to believe. That's an opportunity for us to act in faith on God's word, uh, because that's what we should do as believers. And we've been conditioned that way. We've been trained that way. Uh, there's a lot of people, when they, when they go to the doctor and they get a bad report, you know what? Uh, they, they, they're making funeral plans, because they, they, they have no hope outside of medicine. So when a doctor says, there's nothing more I can do, uh, for many people, that's it. There's no more, no more good news after that. Hey, as long as there's breath in the body, there's hope. And that's the way we should look at it. We don't always understand what God's going to do. We don't always understand why things have happened the way they are. But, you know, a prophet came and taught us, only believe all things are possible. And we need to remind ourselves of that. We need to, uh, we need to make sure that, you know, when we have prayer requests that come up here uh, for people who are sick and then people recover, we ought to be thanking God for that. We should be reminding ourselves of that. And I sh- I'd like to remind you folks that uh, when you put a prayer request in for somebody you know who's sick or something happened or something in your household and God answered that, you got past that and everything's back to normal, we should put that up on the pulpit and say, I want to thank God for healing my son or my daughter or bringing us through this or bringing us through that. Hey, I'm thankful that we're all still here. I'm thankful that we're all uh, still upright and able to take a little nourishment and able to worship God. Thank God for Brother Johnny back here. Thank God for Sister Laura back here. And, uh, you know, just to see uh, God helping folks through. And that's what we should believe. That's what we should expect. But that just, just doesn't happen. We're trained that way. So all of these things are, are normal for us. Normal for us. Because our normal is a little bit different. So adoption teaches us different things. I've, I've, the more I've thought about this list, the more I think how limited it actually is. Uh, but God does have a predestinated plan. That's kind of where uh, I think we'll begin. Now, Brother Man makes a statement here, and I want to hold to my text here tonight. He said, we got a hero, the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit anyone's hero here? we got a hero, the Holy Spirit, who came to teach us and to guide us into all truth. What is truth? It's not oil, not blood, but the word is truth. It's not oil, not blood. The reason he's saying that is because in Brother Branham's day, there were people who uh, had a habit of laying hands on people. There There were certain people who had ministries built on laying hands on somebody, and they would have oil. Uh, come out of their hands. They would have uh, an anointing oil that came out of their hands, and they built their ministry on that. And Brother Branham had a few things to say about that. And he said, well, what is truth? There's a lot of people say, well, that ministry is true, and that ministry is true, but he said the word is truth. 
Father, he said, uh, he said, sanctify them through the truth. Thy word is truth. The Holy Ghost will testify of the truth, the word of God. The Holy Ghost will always testify. He'll sympathize with the word. He'll always follow the word. Isn't that right? His Holy Ghost will always follow that word. And people, he said, too quickly uh, is these things forgotten. Too quickly the message, uh, too quickly is the message forgotten. And, and people come to church sometimes and they see a little enthusiasm. Sometimes they come to hear some good famous preacher preach. But they fail to realize what you come to church for. You come to church to worship. That's what churches are for. They're way stations where, uh, where we can come and uh, like little places where we can, uh, we get a little refreshing and we can fellowship with one another and it gives us a corporate place, a group place where we can worship God. That's what churches are for. Churches are not established to not be like another church. Churches should never be established because our, we don't like the doctrine of that church. We got our own doctrine over here and we don't like those people and we're better than they are. We're more spiritual than they are. That's not the purpose of church. And that's not why people should come here. People should not come here because we have nice pews and nice singing and good young people and, uh, you know, church dinners and all of that. They shouldn't come because of that. If people come here, they should come here because they feel led of the Holy Spirit that that's a ministry they want to sit under because the Word will minister to them and their families. That's, that's the reason they should be here. We thank God for the work opportunities. We thank God for all the other things that are, that are uh, you know, added on. But that's truly what they are. They're add-ons. That, you know what, if you took all of that away, if you took stripped away all of that, let me tell you, the bride will still come because of the word, because that's the thing that they came for in the first place. And so Brother Bam says that too often, he says, you know, we, we can get sidetracked. We can, uh, we can forget uh, the real purpose or the real vision that we have. He says we come to church to worship. And I think that's a, that's, those are simple things, but I think they're nice to... Uh, to remind ourselves of. Now, uh, as David says right here in this psalm here, and again, this is a psalm of trouble that he's going through, and uh, he uses phrases here. If you have your Bible still open here in Psalm 41, I didn't put them all down. Uh, he said, uh, blessed, verse 1, blessed is he that considereth the poor, the Lord will deliver him in a time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him. And this is the language that David is using here. Verse 5, mine enemies speak evil of me. Verse 7, all that hate me whisper together against me, and against me do they devise hurt. An evil disease, say they, cleaveth fast unto him, and now he, now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. Hey, there are some people who feel like, hey, you know what? That person left our church, uh, and, and something happened. They get in a car accident, they say, see, I told you. As if car accidents are exclusively the experiences of people who go from one church to another. I'll tell you what, I would, Brother Sam, I would not say that about somebody else. I wouldn't want to wish that on somebody else. And I would not want to have that attitude that, uh, you know, we're so right that he's so wrong. And something happened to them because they did that. Hey, listen, I respect the fact if somebody felt led to come to this church, it's great. And if somebody felt led to leave this church and go to another one, I, hey, that's equally okay. Not that I would want that, but I mean that's equally okay. And I say this, we should come in the right spirit, we should leave in the right spirit as well. I don't know why I'm there. But David is encountering this, that people are saying things about him, and people are accusing him of different things. His enemies are wishing evil on him. That's not the way that Christians should act at all. But he, he's, got, he's got the weight, you get the sense when you read this psalm, he's got the weight of that on him. He's got the weight of all this criticism, and he's got the weight of all this abuse and all these, uh, all these negative threats against him here. He's got the weight of that on him, and he's feeling that. 
And I love it when it comes to the end of the psalm here. And he says, as for me, thou upholdest me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity and settest me before thy face forever. That verse caught my attention today when I was looking at that early this morning. And I looked up these two words. The word uphold here means to grasp or to lay a hold of something, to hold fast. Now, if you ever if you ever write to me or text me and ask me a question, very often I'll send you back a hold fast. And a hold fast means to me, when I send it back to you, means hang on there, buddy. I'll get back to you. Hold on. Uh, I haven't forgotten you. Hold fast. Just hold it right there, and I'll get back to you. That's what I mean by it. But when, when, when David used this word here, he said, As for me, thou, thou got a hold of me. You got a hold of me. And, and you have, you're, you're, you're the one who's supporting. This is what David's prayer is. As for me, thou grabs, has, you've grabbed a hold of me. You've supported me here. And hold, you're holding fast. And I'm thankful for that. And he says, hold me fast in mine integrity, which means my completeness or completeness of my innocence, my purity, my fullness. And, and this is what David is saying. Lord, I'm, I'm so glad. All kinds of people are kind of, they're, they're grabbing for my throat. They're trying to do me in. But I'm glad you've reached out and got me, got a hold of me and you're holding on to me in my innocence here. I'm not trying to fight back. I'm not trying to get even with anybody. I'm not trying to uh, win the battle here. Lord, I'm just standing here as your servant. I'm doing what you told me to do. And Lord, I'm glad you got a hold. Aren't you glad he's got a hold tonight? I say, Lord, get a hold of every one of us here and, and give you that confidence that you're not alone in the battles that you face and you're not alone in the struggles that you go through. But you know what? No matter where you are, no matter what's against you, no and people are saying things about you, God is saying, he's stepping up and saying, I got you, buddy. I got your back. I got, I'm holding on for you. I'm, I, I'm holding on in your, in your innocence there and in your, uh, in your integrity. I'm holding on. Don't you worry about it. I got you. And you know what? You can face a lot of things as long as you know he's, he's got you. You can, you can go through a lot of things as long as you know he's got your back. And there's many, many places where this is found here. David, or sorry, Isaiah writes, Fear thou not, I am with thee, be not dismayed, for I am thy God, and I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Same message, same God. And I believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Some of us have gone through things that would have taken us under had it not been for the grace of God. Some of us have gone through things that would have taken us under except God reached out and held fast even when we were not willing to hold on. Even when we were willing to let it slip and let it go. I believe that God still holds on because he sees the integrity of our heart. He knows the purity of your thoughts. He knows the uh, desire that you have in your heart. Hey, just to serve God, just to lead your family, just to be uh, a son of God until we get out of here. God sees all that. And I I will tell you something to promise is still the same tonight. Fear thou not for I am with thee and be not dismayed for I am thy God and I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Say that. I will help thee. And yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Many times it's in reality, it's not you holding yourself up. It's not you holding yourself uh, dedicated and, and uh, focused and stable. It's not you doing that. It's God that's reaching down and doing that. It's God that's helping you through those times. It's not you that's saying, I'm going to get up today and I'm going to be strong. There's a lot of days you get up and you wonder, how am I going to make it through? But God says, hey, I got this. I got your back. Fear not. I'm with you through the day and I'm going to hold you fast. I'm going to hold you solid here. And let the winds blow and let everything else come against you. But I got your back. 
You can endure a lot of things when you know God's got your back. Brother Bram, that's why Brother Bram says we got a hero in the Holy Spirit. How many know we got a hero in the Holy Spirit? I thank God he's my hero. There's a lot of, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people in this world who want to be heroes. And there's a lot of people in the world, you know, they work hard to become heroes and stars and everything else. And they work hard to become popular and wealthy and so forth. But you know what? Holy Spirit's my healthy. Because you know what? I once was lost. But now I'm found. At once God looked at me and saw sin. And now he looks at me and sees, looks at me through the blood of Christ and he sees nothing but pure white. That is a miracle. And whoever's responsible for that, that's my hero. <laughs> whoever, whoever accomplished that, that's my hero. I'll tell you what. I, you know, I, I, I never knew God, never knew I could speak to God, never had a word, uh, never uttered a word to him until I found out that Brother Branham taught us you can have an appointment with God anytime, you can have communion with him, and you can speak to him anytime. Whoever arranged that, that's my hero. Give us instant, constant access to God. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. So you can see now, Brother Bram says, that we cannot afford to say what the Bible has not said. You can't afford to do that. It's too hard on us. For you to say that, I'm, well, I'm no good, I'm lost, and I'm, I'm, I'm just not worthy, and all the rest of it, you're saying what the Bible's not saying. You're coming up with something the Bible's not saying. Hey, stop saying it. Say what the Bible says. The Bible says he has made us accepted in the beloved. That's what it says. And as David says, thou will uphold me in mine integrity. Yea, I'll be with thee, fear not. All those things are, are spoken of in Scripture. Many, many other, other promises. When Scripture teaches us that the work of the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of that blessed person, now sentences are long in the church age book, okay? Stay with me, Joe, stay with me here. When Scripture teaches us that the work of the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of that blessed person is to bring the truth of each age to the true seed of that age, then we know the Spirit, we know that the Spirit has to be abiding in that person or he cannot receive the truth for that time. How many remember, I tore, the Holy, I, tore the, I tore Christ in half a couple of Wednesday nights ago and gave half to Sawyer. And he had it in his pocket. Do you still have it in your pocket? You got it in your Bible? All right, as long as you got it. He's got half. God does not just take the Holy Spirit and do this. He gives it to him because he's got a message to give to him. Now, lots of people can be affected by the rainfalls on the just and the unjust. So all these other guys can get an outpouring and a baptism and they can shout and run and and rejoice in the church. And that's all right. But you know what? God gives the Holy Spirit to his elect because he's got something for the elect to believe in that day. And you're not really going to believe it or live it Unless you have the Holy Spirit. So that's what he's saying. So you can see, Brother Brandon said, that's the point. We, he said, when Scripture teaches us, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So he knows who's elect. Therefore, he, uh, he baptizes that uh, elect person with the Holy Spirit. And, and then he has an opening. He has a gateway. He has a conduit for the truth to come. Whenever the truth comes, he's got a receiving set already activated there. Amen. That's exactly correct. And if these ages bring anything out, they surely bring out uh, this truth. That God has a, 
God has an elect are scattered through time. God knows exactly where they are. The blood follows that book of redemption all down through the ages. The Holy Spirit comes to them and uh, opens up a channel through the new birth and allows them to be able to see and understand the word of God for your day. It's not an intellectual process. It's not because you're better than the guy next to you. It's not because your dad was in the message. It's not because uh, you've hung around in this church a long time. Hey, I got the 44-year pin. You know that? I got the 44-year pin of being in a message. I've been in a message 44 years. And you know what that means? Nothing. It really doesn't mean anything. I don't have seniority uh, because there is no such thing. And neither do I have a time now where I've accomplished my service so I can just coast with my big gulper and sit back in the easy chair until it's over. Hey, we labor every day. We labor every day. We're challenged every day. We get up every day and say, Lord, we thank you for your mercies. They're new every day. And Father, just be my guide through this day and help me and bless my family. Protect us, Lord, from undue danger and harm. Don't make me do stupid things. And Lord, uh, just help me to serve you. And at the end of this day, I want you to be able to say, it's been good, thou, thou good and faithful servant. Enjoy the rest. But notice now, <clears throat> Brother Bram says, the mind will direct you, but it's very incapable of bringing you to God. So you have the Holy Spirit who's your hero, all right? Let's look at the other side of this. It's, your mind is actually incapable of bringing you to God. You cannot know God by your mind or by intellectual. It's one of the channels that leads to it, but your soul is what governs you. You are what you are by your soul. You are what you are by your soul. And Jesus said to the Pharisee, uh, said, Why, you hypocrites, how can you speak good things when it was calling him good master? So their mind is working one way. Their heart their, and their mouth and so forth, their senses. But he said, and their hearts work in another way. And they were calling him a good master. And said, out of the abundance of the heart, speak at the lips. And the soul is thinking one thing and you're speaking another thing. What a deceitful thing that is. For out of the mind they say one thing and their soul says another thing. That's the, that's the characteristic of a hypocrite. And that's what you do not want to be. But the problem is, we lean a lot upon our mind. We lean a lot upon uh, what we think. We lean a lot upon uh, what we think other people think. Right? That's true. A lot of young people think that... I, I, I remember one time I asked the young people here, my, the older young people, I asked them, uh, what kind of music do you like? What kind of music are you listening to? And uh, they all sent me a selection. They all sent me a sample song. I still have them. And I was, I was amazed. I mean, I, I heard some songs that I, I thought were, were really great. I never, I never knew they existed. And, um, <clears throat> but after it was all said and done, someone said to me, Ah, oh, that's not true. They're only sending you what they think you want them to send you. They're only sending you what they think, I think, I want to have. Let me make it a little more unclear. <laughs> so that's not really a true representation of what they're really listening to. It's, it's this, this brother said, they're only telling you what they think will make you happy when you tell them that, but that's not really what they're listening to. I said, I don't understand the word you just said. <laughs> but anyway, I, sometimes we... We answer people based on what we think they want to hear. And many times we don't want to offend. And, and 
a lot of people, uh, a lot of people will answer that way. And I, I mean, I get that. There's a lot of times we don't want to have a confrontation uh, with somebody. Uh, we don't want to tell something that's false. Obviously, we want to tell something that's true. But the the expression here is is what's important. Now, stay with me here. First Timothy chapter four. Paul writes to us and says, now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times people shall depart from, their, from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And what are they doing? They're opening their mind to something. Even an elect can be led astray temporarily. Now Jesus said, no man's going to pluck them out of my hand. Do you believe that? You've got to believe that. But the devil is there doing everything he can to seduce and persuade and cause people to think incorrectly about the Word of God. And he's really speaking lies in hypocrisy and having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good. So you can see how uh, Satan works on the mind. That's the battleground. And Satan works on the mind because... He's not only trying to get you to believe wrong things about you. And Brother Bram says we can't afford to do that. We can't afford to say something contrary to what the Scripture says about you. But he's also trying to lead you down a path that God can't bless. The Holy Spirit will honor, always honor the Word. Isn't that right? And so he's got, he's got this uh, battle over time in, in speaking lies and all of the other things here and and causing us to believe incorrectly, not only about ourselves, but also about the Bible, and then also about your part in it, and also about the body of Christ. Satan will work overtime to make you think wrong things about the people who are sitting near you. And that's a terrible thing. We'll we'll come back to that in a minute. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God, and prayer. In the Old Testament, they had a, a list, a long list of things that they couldn't eat, they couldn't partake of, they couldn't go near, they couldn't touch. But here Paul is telling us that, hey, every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. Receive it, though, with thanksgiving and pray over it. So he's taking away the, uh, the, the numerous restrictions that, are, that were there, Old Testament type things. But Satan is there to impress you with a lie. Now, again, <clears throat> Turn in your Bibles here, if you don't mind. Deuteronomy chapter 17. If you have it open here, Deuteronomy chapter 17, just for a minute. Deuteronomy 17 is the book of instruction for the people entering another kingdom, entering the land. This is the book that Jesus quoted most often. This is where many of the statutes of the children of Israel and, and uh, things in the New Testament actually were grounded from here, in the book of Deuteronomy, because God's teaching the people to move into another kingdom. We're going to do things God's way. When we go into there, we're going to do things God's way. Let me explain to you what God's way is. That's a teaching of adoption. I want you to do it this way. When we get into the kingdom, I want you to do it this way. And this is what Moses is doing here. So the whole chapter... Uh, deals with the subject of authority here. And in verse 2 down to verse 7, we won't read it, but it's instructions of, about what to do when somebody's caught up in, a, in idolatry. 
And, and he gives them instructions in verse 3, and hath gone and served other gods and worshipped them, either the sun and the moon or whatever. And this is how we deal with that, because we don't want to have that in our midst here. Now remember now, this is Old Testament. We're not dealing with, with issues by grace. Aren't you glad we deal with issues by grace? And not with rocks? Because that would be a different outcome. It feels a whole lot different. But in verse 8, he says, If there arise a matter too hard for thee in judgment, you could, you could, by pastoral permission, also write in the margin there, when. Not if. Because you know what? It's probably going to happen. When stuff arises that's too hard for thee in judgment between blood and blood, that's family, between plea and plea, between people, between stroke and stroke, between people who are slugging it out, being matters of controversy within thy gates. This is not outside. This is within the gates. Then thou shalt arise and get thee up to the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. And God's establishing something really important here. That he has a place for you to turn when you can't figure it out. When you don't know what to do. And this is a matter within thy gates now. This is a matter between uh, people and people who are called by thy name. He says, you've got, you got a place to go. You've got something to do. Watch what he says in verse 9. Then thou shalt come unto the priests, the Levites, and unto the judge that shall be in those days, and inquire. And they shall show thee the sentence of judgment, and thou shalt do according to the sentence which they of that place, which the Lord shall choose, shall show thee. And thou shalt observe to do according to all that they inform thee. You got a place to go? You got somebody to go to. According to the sentence of the law which they shall teach thee, and according to the judgment which they shall tell thee, thou shalt consider. Is that what it says? Thou shalt sleep on it. Not what it says. Thou shalt do. You know why? Because God's given you a place to go and somebody at that place to help tap into the mind of God. And he says that answer sometimes will come. We may not agree. God's not asking for agreement. He's giving you a solution for the issue that you can't figure out. So when they give you that instruction, he says, Thou shalt do. Thou shalt not decline from the sentence which they shall show thee to the right hand nor to the left. And the man that will do presumptuously and will not hearken unto the priest that standeth to minister there before the Lord thy God or unto the judge, even that man, that, even that man shall die, and thou shalt put away the evil from Israel. And all the people shall hear and fear and do no more presumptuously. So in other words, God's put authorities in place for when, not if, things arise that could turn into bitterness and affect more than just you. It could affect the congregation. And God's trying to prevent the congregation from being affected by something there. He says uh, things that are uh, evil within the people within the people of Israel causing a difference. And the reason we have a difference is because you have a point of view, you have a point of view, and they're not, they don't match. Very often there's truth in both. 
And God is saying to you, God is saying to the, to the people here uh, back in the Old Testament that when you go into the land and you've got a place, God's going to identify a place. Now, I believe this. God's identified his word as his place. God's not identified HBT or Happy Valley. God's identified his word as a place. And God has ministries, and I will tell you what, it's not always so much uh, making an appointment with the prophet and, you know, kneeling before him and telling him your case here. You have, to, you have to come to God's chosen place, which is his word, and say, Lord, this is my complaint. This is my issue. This is my problem here. And, Lord, I'm wanting to hear from you, not from Brother Barry or not from some other man, but, Lord, I want to hear from you. And you watch the Holy Spirit because he's mindful of all of us, he'll take that answer and deliver it to us, I believe, very often through the preaching of the word. But you know what? The responsibility then becomes yours to open your mind to it. And when you, when you hear that and do that, you're acting like an adopted son. That's what adopted sons do. They take our way, we lay it down, we do it the Father's way. And that involves a certain amount of humbling. That involves a certain amount of, uh, you know, relinquishing to the mind of God. But I will tell you what, when you hear things that come from the Word of God, I think it's, it's important for us. I think it's really important for us uh, to, to be willing and to be open to the things that God will show us here because not only is he wanting to get the evil out of Israel, but hey, these people are on the cusp of going into another land. They're going back into the promised land, aren't they? And in the same way, why wouldn't it apply to us in this time that we're living in? If God's got a better way, God always does, he's got a better way. And if God's got that, hey, listen, he's not only trying to get the evil out and the dysfunction out, he's trying to get the bad habits out, he's trying to get the biases out, he's trying to get the prejudices out, he's trying to get our old thinking out, he's trying to get our bad doctrine out. Come on, somebody say amen. He's trying to get all that out for this life so that we can live with one another, so that we don't have a root of bitterness, you know, working its way around the church here. But the greater thing is that he's taking you to another kingdom, and that doesn't belong in that kingdom. So he's going to do whatever he needs to do in order to get us into that kingdom with the right kind of thinking. Not stinking thinking, but the right kind of thinking. That's a term. So in the church age book, Brother Branham says, the spirit speaketh expressly in about the latter days. In every case, you'll notice a false prophet is one who's outside the word. And have you ever noticed how the people who lead others astray in this category, the people who lead these folks astray, bind them closely to themselves by fear. If you leave this church, you're going to wind up in a horrible car accident. If you leave this church, you know what? Your, your kids are all going to walk away from the Lord. And if you leave this church, you're going to wind up struck with cancer. I've heard it all. I've heard people say that for years and years and years. <clears throat> I heard somebody say, very well-known name. If I told you the name, every one of you would know who it is. And he, he made the statement. He says, he says the only place where, the, where you're going to get rapturing faith is in this church. And if you leave this church, he said, you're bound for the tribulation. And he made that statement publicly. And I thought to myself when I heard that, because I, I wanted to hear it myself, and I heard it myself, and then when I heard it myself, I said, huh, how can he say that without any vindication? Because that's quite a strong statement, right? That means that, means that your ministry is, a, is, exclu- is as exclusive as a prophet. Because prophets are the only one that can stand there and say, the word of the Lord came to me. Everybody else needs to listen, right? That's what prophets do. But I thought, 
Prophets don't just get up and say that to sound authoritative. They say that because God vindicates them as prophets and take away all doubt that it is from God. And signs and wonders all follow a prophet in in an extraordinary supernatural way. But for somebody else to stand up and say that, I thought, how foolish, because there's no clear vindication that we all need to come to your church. And your church is not big enough. They say that if the people don't do what they say, or if they leave, then destruction will follow. They are false prophets. They are false prophets. Don't you let anybody convince you that that's true. Nobody, including me. That's not true. They are false prophets. For a true prophet will always lead one to the word and bind the people to Christ. And he won't tell the people to fear him. And he won't tell the people to fear him or what he says, but to fear what the word says. I, 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 I talked to one of the leaders of the movement that is one of the uh, loudest people who are contra- contra- uh, they're critical of this message and critical of Brother Branham. And I asked him, I said, hey, when I left where I left to come into this message, I went higher. That is one thing that's true. Where I was living, where I was spiritually, I went higher when I came to Christ and came into the light of this message. That's for sure. I know. I I went higher up the ladder. I went closer to heaven. Not farther from heaven, but closer to heaven when I came into this message. If it's wrong, and this is what I asked him, if it's wrong, tell me now where to go that I can become closer. Because if God's, if, if God's leading you, it's going to take you closer again to heaven. It's going to bring you further up the ladder. It's going to bring you closer to the kingdom. I mean, God would be defeating his own purpose if he sent me out into a Trinitarian church somewhere. Right? And so tell me now, where, where are you taking... If I, if, I, if I deny everything and drop it all, where, where do you want me to go? Tell me where you want me to go. What, what sermon, what... Uh, Bible verse you're going to show me? What teaching do you have? What body of evidence do you have that where I'm going to is greater than what I've got? And if you can't do that, I'm going to stay with what I got. And they can't answer that. They can't answer that. And Brother Bram's, he's, I mean, this, this, I came out of the Catholic Church and this was always the issue. This was always the issue. That if you leave here, you're dangling over hell's fire and purgatory, and one day the string's going to burn and you're sunk anyway, and you know, so you can't leave the Catholic Church. But I did. God keeps his word. Brother Bram says, The Bible said to come out from among, them, uh, among unbelievers, not to be connected and associated with unbelievers. Jehoshaphat came down to visit with Ahab. Ahab wanted to show him a great time. Watch this quote. The Bible said to come out from un- uh, among unbelievers. And all the people said, not to be connected and associated with unbelievers. Yeah, we've got to work with them. We've got to go to school with them and all that. You know, they teach you in school and uh, hand you a paycheck and all the rest of it here. But you know what? I don't have association with you, you know, at heart. I don't have association with you. I've got an association with a different, with a different group. Not that they're bad people or anything else, but you know what? Don't have association. And Jehoshaphat came down to visit Ahab. Ahab wanted to show him a great time. Jehoshaphat was a good king. He just had bad friends. And as usual, the world... If it can just get you out to a little nightclub somewhere, a little party, some worldly neighbors, they'll really want to put a show on for you. And the devil will try to make you believe you're having a good time. 
that's the way he does it to entice you back. Oh, we've missed you, buddy. That's the way he does it. And when you see the world doing that or the devil giving you a prosperity falsely, remember, he's building you up for a great letdown. Man, a lot of young people could have avoided a lot of hurt following that piece of advice. Satan's only trying to build you up. But there's a great letdown. <clears throat> you talk about, you know, on the, on the bigger scale, you talk about somebody like Elvis Presley, you know, and, and feels like he can sell out and do this, and he's having a great time. He's prosperous and everything else. And then what a letdown. What an anticlimactic life. Until you go through the grocery checkout. And then you see all the newspapers there. Elvis spotted on the moon. Elvis spotted at the bottom of the ocean. You know all the crazy things that they have there. Let me tell you something about Elvis. And this is not on tape. But I was talking recently to a brother who told me that one of the reasons Brother Branham was so hard on Elvis and selected him so particularly, he said because Brother Branham told him that the serpent in the Garden of Eden physically resembled Elvis. And the devil is there only to try to make you believe, hey, we're having a great time. You're right in sync. You're right, you're, you're right in the crowd. You're right in that popular place. And that's the way he does it. And he's only trying to entice you back. In other words, just like I just said about somebody being critical of the message, the devil can't give you something to take you closer to God. At the end of the day, whatever he gives you, it's going to take you farther from the kingdom. It's not going to take you closer from the kingdom. Now, let me, just, let me just skip ahead for a little bit here. The devil will try to sit on his shoulder and say, Abraham, we know you love God. Oh, yes, I love God. Well, then, if you love him, how are you destroying the very evidence that you're going to be the father of nations? And this is what Brother Bram was paraphrasing as Abraham's going up the mountain with Isaac. And he's got to sacrifice Isaac. That's the commission. And he says, "How? listen, if you love God, how come you're destroying the very evidence that you're going to be a father of nations? And how are you going to be a father of nations if you destroy the only seed you have, the boy promised through this woman? How are you going to do it? And Abraham's faith overrode that and simply said, well, if God told me I was the father of nations, that's up to him to do it. God said so, and that settles it. Glory to God. And that's the way we should respond to Satan. But Satan will come because he can use the mind, and your mind will never lead you to God. Now, very quickly here. We're back in Matthew chapter 19, because Matthew 19 is a great teaching chapter here. And uh, the people came to Jesus, and they, uh, you know, they wanted to know, could they write a bill of a divorcement for any reason, and so forth. And Jesus begins to show them the Father's way. And then the young man comes to Jesus, the rich young ruler, and says, uh, Good master, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus says, keep the commandments, do this and this. And he said, all these things have I kept from my youth, and what lack I yet? What is the peace? Because the young man here, in the language of that conversation, the young man is saying, I still have to deal with the question of what happens when I die. No matter how good I am, no matter how much wealth I have, and he's, prob- he, he's probably from a good family, and no matter all of these things are, are real, but he's facing this reality that when I die, what happens to me then? What assurance can I have that when I die, I'll be okay with God? And Jesus says unto him, and this is the thing that he lacked, 
This is the thing that he knew he had to have the answer to. And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. But the young man, uh, with the right answer, walks away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Now, we did Remember the board? Everybody remember the board? The things he gained and the things that he lost in doing that. And he lacked. He was inferior. He was less than what God wanted him to be. Because that trap is very real. Number one, riches encourage a false independence. That people feel like when they're supplied with this world's goods, they're apt to think that they can cope with whatever arises. Now, there is a famous story, apparently, about Laodicea. That uh, back in, their, in, in biblical times, there was a huge earthquake that struck uh, Laodicea on the coast of Turkey. As we know, they have earthquakes on the coast of Turkey. And the Roman government, who controlled all that area, sent ambassadors to Laodicea and said, and this is recorded in history, and they said, we would like to send money, we would like to send helpers and rebuild the city and so forth. And the people of Laodicea put their hand up to the Roman government and said, we don't need your help, we're going to do it, it's all right, we've got it. And they rejected the help that was offered to them. And Laodicea became known as a place where Hey, uh, we're rich, increase with goods, we have need of nothing. Got this. And the false independence comes from the feeling that a person has when they feel like they can cope based on the resources they have with any situation that arises. And that's a trap. Because no matter what, and Matthew 19 teaches us this, that no matter no matter how well you've got it interpreted, no matter how well you've followed the commandments, you've still got to answer the question that when I die, where will I go? And you need God. Riches, number two, shackle people to this earth. Because where your treasure is, Jesus said, there will your heart be also. So if every desire is contained within this world, people's interests are all here. They don't think of a world hereafter. They don't think of another kingdom. They don't long for a place where perfection is. They tend to become satisfied with this earth when people are shackled to this earth because of the things they possess. Number three, riches tend to make people selfish. However much we have, it is human for us to want more. It's been said enough is always a little more than what a man has. And so a lot of times in history, like Rockefeller, he had 13 millionaires who worked in his office with him uh, looking after things. And even as he was an old man, somebody asked him, they said, when are you going to retire? And he said, just a little more, just a little more. And he was such a wealthy man when he was in that, at that state, but he just felt ah, just a little bit more. And the tendency is, strangely enough, that when people become independently wealthy like that, their tendency is to hold on to more as they get older unless they have the Holy Spirit working in them to help them realize that God has blessed you for the benefit of others. God has blessed you for the benefit of others. But if a person enters that state where they possess lots and have uh, plenty in this life, without the Holy Spirit, they'll tend to want to accumulate a little bit more. Because enough is always a little more than a man has. So they never feel like they get enough. Look in Matthew 19 with me, if you don't mind. All right, I've got it here if you want to look at it here. But this is the last part of Matthew 19. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all. And, and this is right after when Jesus said, 
it's hard for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So Peter asks them this question. He says, behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have thereafter? In other words, the question is almost one that you could rebuke him for. Like, what do we get for serving you? What do we get for serving you? We've given up a lot of things. And what do we get for serving you? That's, that's kind of the way the question is actually uh, phrased in the, in the old language. What, what, what's the point of serving you? Like, what are we going to get? What's our reward? Now, remember what I told you before a couple of Sundays ago, that when our obedience is conditional upon a reward, it's not really Bible obedience. When you're obeying God only because of what you're going to get because you do. I'm only going to pay my tithes because I want to have the windows of heaven you know, come open. That's not why we should pay our tithes. We should pay our tithes because it's in the word. Even if God doesn't bless you, it's better to do God's word. It's better to obey God's word, right? But when we're doing it only on the condition that I get something in return, then that's not really Bible obedience. But it's really interesting the way that Jesus answers this because he could have stood Peter up here and... and Peter's saying, well, hey, listen, we've, we've given up a lot. What, what, what do we get for serving you? And Jesus answered him in this way, and I think the answer is worth mentioning, and we'll close on this. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging twelve tribes of Israel. Jesus said, It always is the case that those who share in the campaign will also share in the victory. When it comes, not the world, not in worldly battles, because in many times worldly, worldly fighters are cast aside when they come home from the battle. But Jesus is assuring them that when you get over on the other side, if you stood for me and fought for me and lived for me and sacrificed for me and labored for me, He says, you will wear the crown the same as I'll wear the crown. You'll be blessed the same as I will also be blessed. And everything that uh, the Father has to give you, it'll be given and more besides. And it's always going to be that way in the kingdom. In the kingdom, it's going to be made right. Peter, don't you worry. Don't underestimate God's ability to know your sacrifice and what you'll go through and and the price you'll pay to walk as a Christian. And you young girls that are here, uh, you know, to dress yourselves in a way that's uh, becoming of a Christian and to stand out and have to go through uh, the criticisms and all the rest of it. Uh, Every one of us take a certain amount of criticism and you feel restricted and all the rest of it. But I will tell you something, in the kingdom, God who sees all that will make all of that right. And you won't be forgotten for your labor of sacrifice over there. You won't be forgotten for all the things that, uh, you know, the, the times when you went and you didn't feel like going. And the times you gave and you didn't really have it to give. And the times you sacrificed and put God first, even though it might have been, uh, you know, a hard thing for your family. God sees all of that. And in the kingdom over there, when the regeneration comes and the Son of Man sits on his glory, he's going to have his bride sitting right next to him. And they'll not be forgotten in that kingdom. That's number one. Number two. 20, verse 29, and everyone that hath forsaken houses, brethren, sisters, fathers, mothers, uh, children, lands for my sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Wow. He's, he's wanting, wanting everyone to know. He's wanting Peter to know, but he's wanting everyone to know that it's always the case that Christians will receive far more than what they gave up when they get over on the other side. He says he multiplies it by a hundred. You're going to receive a hundredfold more on the other side. 
And if you gave up land, or if you gave up, uh, you know, I'm thinking of the, the brethren over there in southern Tanzania. I showed you a picture before, a little video clip uh, of uh, the brother who was in uh, southern Tanzania, and they were squatting on a little piece of land. They had their church there, and the owner of that land finally came along and said, huh, we want to take the land back, and brought in the bulldozer and just bulldozed the church over, and they had nowhere to go, had nowhere to go. Let me tell you, in the kingdom, God, who sees all of that, he will give them a hundredfold more than what they lost in this land over here because God's watching you. And let me tell you, it's not just a physical thing, but it's a divine thing as well because you'll inherit everlasting life on the other side. And it will be, it, it will be an assurance that you'll live forever. There'll be no death ever stalk you over there. There'll be nothing take you down over there. Jesus is saying it's worth following me because everything you lost, multiply it by a hundred and imagine what it would be like in that kingdom over there. That's what he says to Peter. And lastly, verse 30, but many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's always the case that the people who feel the lowest in the kingdom on this earth over here, the people who feel insignificant, the people who feel like, well, I never preached a sermon, I never sang a special, I never went on the mission field, and I never did this or whatever else. Even the lowest shall be brought up and the highest shall be brought down. And the most that are in the outer, outer uh, courts, they'll be brought in right to the center. It's all going to be made right in that kingdom over there. And the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And it's all going to be made right over there. Peter, let me tell you, what do you get by following me? You get everything. And you get a divine relationship with me and a, and a place where we have everlasting life. And everything that you'd ever want to enjoy in life. Times a hundred. And you'll have that throughout all eternity. Let's stand to our feet. He could have rebuked Peter. But he gave him that answer. And I thought, wow, what a tremendous answer. That all things will be made right. And nothing shall separate you from the love of God. There's a lot of things that uh, you know can separate you from church. Or separate you from your family. Or separate you from your tribe or whatever else. But let me tell you. There's nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And Jesus wanted Peter to know that. And hey, don't you worry about a thing. Don't you fret. Don't you fear. It's all going to be made right in that kingdom over on the other side. Glory to God. How many are happy you serve God? And so what Jesus, what, the, what your hero, the Holy Spirit, is trying to do is teach you the ways of the kingdom over there even before you get there. Because that's the way he wants you to live, right? What are you playing, man? Have, <clears throat> have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the
falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I've
Lord Jesus, you, you know exactly where each one of us are, know exactly what we're going through. And Lord, we can face a lot as long as we know you have our back. You're our hero. You're our Savior. You're our Lord. We just want to give you thanks tonight. Father, bless your people now in the balance of this week. And Lord, as we come to the weekend, we just ask that you would reach down, Lord, and just anoint everything that's done, Lord. Have your way among us. Speak to us. Bless our fellowship and our time together, Lord. And may, Father, we just submit ourselves to you, Lord, in faith, believing that you truly do watch over us each day that we live upon this earth. Comfort those who mourn, we pray, and heal those who are sick. We ask all these things in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. We'll sing another song, and we'll meet you over in the fellowship hall. All you brothers out there tonight, God bless you as you go tonight. There is none I I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. Does anybody know about the love of Jesus? I do. I do. Everybody know about the love of Jesus. I do. I do. When I was searching, He sought me out, gave me the answers. Took away my doubt When I was struggling Just to find my place I heard the sweetest song